We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Bolt fam? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. Today is all about a Monday mailbag answering your questions before we get to the 2022 NFL draft, trying to squeeze in as many things as I possibly can, videos, collaborations, breakdowns, mailbags, before we get to Thursday. We're so close, guys. Can you feel it? I'm excited. So you guys on Twitter sent in your questions. I want to answer them here because I don't always get to have that crossover between Twitter and YouTube. I feel like they're separate audiences. So I tried to cross it over here, see how it goes. So Monday mailbag before the draft. Let's get into it. And the first question of the day is the one I wanted to lead off with because I think it's the most relevant to Thursday, at least. And that's from Maverick Monroe, who asks, there's been a lot of talk about Olave at 17, but I've seen multiple analysts remark how he's below average to average in yards after the catch ability. Does this move him down for you? I think we need more than just long speed. Yards after the catch was a big thing missing last year. And yeah. Uh, Maverick Monroe, I totally understand why you'd ask that question and why that would be a concern. Chris Olave is not in my top four, partially because of that reason. Yards after the catch isn't his strongest suit. And some of that is certainly build, of course, but you would hope to see more from a prospect you're going to get at 17 than where he is statistically. And I do think this is something that we need to address. So I wanted to add this to the stream. This is the only thing I have uh, today in terms of tabs. But I did want to talk about where Olave does kind of fall short. So I wanted to look at the receiving grades on Pro Football Focus. This is filtered to only 2022 draft prospects with a minimum of 20% of the targets on the year. So, you know, there are some Joe Schmoes, if you will, on here for sure. So the rankings feel a bit inflated, I guess. But there's enough filters here where I think he should, if he's good at a certain category be high up and now this is the player that the chargers are potentially going to take at 17 arguably the favorite among chargers fans to be taken at 17 based on perceived need availability and you know youtube highlights so uh chris olave i want to talk about the two things he's good at first statistically one of them is touchdowns so he can score that's fantastic chargers could always use someone who could score more the other one is contested catch rate he is not you know first by any means, but he's 15th with a contested catch rate of 62 and a half. He had 10 contested catches on 16 opportunities. Someone like Drake London 
is a little bit higher with 65.4%, 17 contested catches on 26 attempts. So contested catch rate and touchdowns, all good statistically for sure. But the question here is, what about yards after the catch per reception? And does that knock him? To me, I think if you're looking for somebody to transform this offense, part of that does have to be yards after the catch per reception. But maybe you're a deep speed guy and you know, you're just great at getting open downfield, but maybe you don't have the biggest frame. Like you say, a Taekwon Thornton, and that's kind of your calling card. You just want a deep speed threat. To me, I think if you want to pick someone at 17, you got to have someone who can get open downfield, sure, and win downfield, but also get those tough yards, yards after the catch, whether it's because of speed, elusiveness, contact balance, whatever. You got to have that in there too. And the best receivers in this draft, or some of them who have this as their calling card, are up here in yards after the catch per reception. Traylon Burks, who I do have over Olave, 9.3 yards after the catch per reception. Tied with Jamison Williams, 9.3 yards per reception, right? Only Javonta Payton and Jalen Naylor are over them in that category. That's where you want to see some of these guys. If you want to pick a guy at 17, you know, part of it is yards after the catch per reception. Jamison Williams checks that box immediately. You know, you can get open downfield, no problem, but also he can get you 9.3 yards after the catch per reception, which is crazy. Right. And some other names, you know, Jared Stern, 7.7, Calvin Austin with 7.2, Jalen Tolbert, you know, 7.1, John Mechie, 6.7. Right. A lot of guys up here. What do you think Olave is here? Olave is 90th here with 4.2. So let me backtrack. The guy that the Chargers really want, but it feels unrealistic is Jamison Williams at 9.3 yards after the catch per reception. Third best, 9.3 yards after the catch per reception. Chris Olave, 4.2. So less than half at 90th for Chris Olave. Now, that's not the worst thing, but if you're burning a pick at 17, is 4.2 yards after the catch and 90th in college football, is that good enough? I don't know. What about missed tackles forced? Right, Maybe yard after the catch is more built on physicality than it is speed or elusiveness. Let's say that. So what about missed tackles force? Now, number one in college football last season was Sky Moore with 26, which is funny because Sky Moore is kind of the guy that people say you can just get later instead of taking Chris Olave. And Sky Moore, you know, fringe first rounder, second rounder. You can get someone who leads or who led college football in missed tackles force with 26 later than someone like Olave. So 26 is first. And you look, you go down, Garrett Wilson has 19. You know, Traylon Burks has, let me get this back up, 14. Khalil Shakir has 14. How many does Chris Olave have? With the 17th pick in the 2022 NFL draft, Chris Olave has one. One missed tackle forced on, I believe, 65 receptions. Just one. 122nd, he's ranked in missed tackles forced. Um, <laughs> definitely a concern, right? I'm not saying that you have to be good in these categories to be a good receiver, but if I'm burning the 17th overall pick on a player, I would like to see them, you know, 
<laughs> in the top 100 at least, right? One missed tackle forced, ranked 123rd, ranked 90th in yards after the catch per reception. Let's check yards per route run. Where's Chris Olave? 44th. Yards per route run is probably the one that I focus on the most for whoever has the best receiver. To me, that means the most. He's behind, you know, Romeo Dubs, fifth round pick. Again, Alec Pierce, popular third round pick. John Mechie, second round pick. Tycon Thornton, day three pick, maybe. Jahan Dotson. You know, Chris Olave is 44th. So that's his best ranking so far in these categories. Obviously, touchdowns and contested catch rate, he was much higher. But in yards per route run, yards after the catch per reception, missed tackles forced. This is his best ranking so far, 44th. Okay, what about, look, he's a vertical threat, right? We expect him to be a vertical threat. So he's going to get open downfield. He's going to make those big plays for the Chargers, right? Let's look at yards per reception. Jamison Williams, right? That's right where you want to see him. Top three, you know, some guys that you know, aren't really going to be in the league are ahead of him. Jamison Williams, third, great, right? That's kind of his calling card. That's what you want at 17, right? I think he's about third in yards after the catch per reception, third in yards per reception. Like if that is your speed yak threat that you want to burn a 17th pick on. Chris Olave, yards per reception, 53rd <laughs> behind Khalil Shakir, which if you saw my video, I said that Khalil Shakir is a target in the third round for the Chargers. Should they not get Chris Olave? I do think Khalil Shakir would fit there. Um, yards per reception for Chris Olave is behind Garrett Wilson, Calvin Austin, all right, Danny Gray, Alec Pierce, Traylon Burks, Jalen Naylor, Samari Torre, Jameson Williams. Again, I'm not saying that one particular stat means the world for everything, but again, his, his best ranking was 44th in yards per route run. That's your 17th overall pick, potentially. And I did want to bring it our, our composite rankings into this because I think it's important. Now, I think I said this. I don't remember if I did or not. Chris Olave is number five on my wide receiver rankings. So I'm not trying to say he's a bad player, but he is wide receiver five. And do you burn a 17th overall pick on that? Do you burn a 17th overall pick on that knowing where he ranks after what I just told you? Mm, I don't know. To me, I personally would like to find somebody later on. Jamison Williams? Burn that pick on him instantly. Top three yards after the catch per reception. Top three in yards per reception. Monster. Chris Olave, 90th, 44th, 53rd, 120th, or whatever it was. Is that where you want to use your 17th overall pick? I don't know. So Chris Olave, we took the stats for all the notables. So this is more condensed, just to kind of help out. We took the more notable names on the Draft Network's board. And we ranked them in their certain stat categories with an emphasis on the per play stats. So perception rate, yards per reception, yards over the catch per reception, yards per route run, drop rate, contested catch rate, that sort of thing. There's a couple that are just whole numbers, right? Touchdowns, missed tackles, force, first downs. But for the most part, we wanted to find the guys that were better on those per play stats, right? Because that does matter quite a bit, right? If you have one good play a game, that's great. What about every play? Right, who's the, who's going to get the most with the most volume? Chris Olave, out of 34 wide receivers that we charted here, finished 21st. So are you going to burn the 17th overall pick on a player that ranked 21st in these stat categories? And again, he does have great 
great numbers in touchdowns and in contested catch rate. But is that what the Chargers need at 17? I mean, listen, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> but is that exactly what they're looking for? Again, my wide receiver five, because there's also film that goes into this and projection and feel and fit and all that. And if he goes to the Chargers at 17, I'm I'm cool with that. But you do have to ask yourself, you know, is of, of the 34 wide receivers we have here, is him being 15th in yards per reception, 26th in yards after the catch per reception, 23rd in yards per route run, 23rd in missed tackles forced, 10th in first downs. Is that who you want to use your 17th overall pick on? I don't know. So I wanted to talk about that one because I just felt like it's the most relevant to Thursday because that could very well be the pick. And you have to have, you know, high expectations for him, of course, because they pick him at 17. But you also have to understand that my reservations about him or anyone's, you know, like Maverick Monroe is talking about an analyst reservations for him about his yards after catchability. You know, it's legit on film, a concern. And statistically, it's definitely a concern. So with that, let me know in the comments, would you burn the 17th overall pick on Chris Olave, knowing where he ranks now? So the next topic comes to us from Mr. Bull, who asks, Tom Telesco mentioned having two punters on the roster, Scott, who's JK Scott, and someone else, most likely a draft prospect. How likely do we think it will be Ariza? So I didn't watch the presser. So I don't know if Mr. Bull is referencing that Telesco said that it will most likely be a draft prospect or if he's just guessing that it'll most likely be a draft prospect. But let's pretend it is most likely going to be a draft prospect. Will it be Ariza? To me, I think if you're putting money on who it's going to be, unless Ariza, of course, goes in the third round or something. But if you had to put a gun to my head and ask me who's most likely, yeah, I would say Ariza. And you could say that's the you know San Diego State thing. Um, but also, he's been privately worked out with the Chargers. He's met with the Chargers before. So there's a lot of interest there for sure. And I think if the opportunity is right, they'll go with him. But it's also worth mentioning that his coach he's working with right now is Nick Novak. Who did Nick Novak work with last year? Tristan Viscaino, who did initially make the roster. Now, I'm not saying that Arise is going to be off the roster, let's say, as fast as Viscaino, but it is worth considering. I think them working with Duke Manyweather as an offensive line coach is significant. And I do think that potentially working with Nick Novak, who was their kicker, who they've, I don't want to say trusted before for advice, but certainly they went with Vizcaino. And, you know, maybe there's something there. Maybe there isn't. I'm just guessing. I think it's possible that they do go with Matt Ariza because of the interest because of the, I guess, need because of the connection to Novak, right? The San Diego connection, I guess. Is that a bad thing to say these days? So I think it's very possible that Ariza is the betting favorite at this point. Um, again, I, I didn't watch the pros the, the um, press conference, but something to consider. All right. This one is from David Rainey. Which prospects, if available at 17, would cause you not to want to trade down even if a reasonable trade is offered. To me, there's not a realistic player that I would stay put for. If the opportunity to trade down is there, I'm going to take it. I like Jamison Williams a lot, but if you can tell me that I could trade down and get 
Zion Johnson, maybe even a Dax Hill, maybe even Chris Olave. And then later get, you know, depending on what you do, and get an extra third, get an extra second, get your tackle of the future, like an actual tackle of the future to keep Matt Filer at left guard, to get Khalil Shakir in the third round, to use a second to get Arnold Ebiketti. I'm all for it. There's no world where I think Jamison Williams is worth more than the combined, you know, picks of a Zion Johnson and an extra third that gets you Khalil Shakir. Then you fix two problems instead of having Jamison Williams for the one. I, I get it. <laughs> Jamison Williams is a better receiver than Khalil Shakir. That's a receiver prospect. But if I can have Zion Johnson or hell, even Arnold Ebiketti and Calvin Austin in the third for free, basically, because I have an extra third, I'm taking it. If I can use, you know, if I can move way back and get two second round picks, an extra third too, and I can get, you know, I can go crazy and I can actually take Leo Chanel there. Heck yeah, I'm all for it. It really, you know, barring some unrealistic fall from Derek Stingley, you know, Jermaine Johnson or something, I am not staying put for any particular player that's going to be there realistically. And that's just how I feel. Without that second, like, there's so much talent. Like, I have, you know, it varies from person to person. And if you feel differently, you ranked different players, whatever, that's fine. I've ranked 157 players, I think, at this point. There's so much talent that's projected to go rounds two and three. And they're going to miss on so much round two talent. And they're kind of the middle of round three. Before 79, you know, go, go run a mock draft. How many players did you really want? How many of them just go by? Now, I wouldn't, you know, I would keep Khalil Mack, of course. I wouldn't, you know, keep trade the second round pick back, as things currently stand, to, you know, get the second round pick back. I wouldn't trade Khalil Mack back to get that second round pick. But you have to admit, there's a lot of prospects they're going to miss out on too. So even if Jamison Williams is there, even if, I mean, I guess Zion Johnson would be there, right? I would still want to trade back because there's no one player that's realistically going to be there who's worth so much more than the two, maybe three legit players you could get. Because, you know, at 17, you're also probably getting a guy who's has a second round grade from the team. There's also like 40 other guys who might fit that bill too. So if I can get two guys who have a second round grade from the team versus one who might have a second round grade from the team anyway, like I'm taking the guy, I'm taking two. I'm taking two of them. Even if one guy is slightly better than his replacement later on, the second player that you can get, the extra player you get, right? Whipped cream, the cherry on top and all that. That's more interesting to me than sticking for one particular person. That's just my opinion. Again, Olave, you know, could be amazing, but if I can trade back, get Zion Johnson, get Khalil Shakir later on, that to me is worth it way more than someone like Chris Olave and even someone like Jameson Williams, in my opinion, even though it does help one particular thing, I would go for more players. Now, I wouldn't, <laughs> let me let me rephrase one thing quick. If the trade back is for a fifth round pick and that's it, I'm staying put and taking Jameson Williams. But in the, in the scenarios you're considering, you're probably getting that extra third maybe an extra second and a fourth or something like that. That's where that's me. But if it's just <laughs> trading back one spot for a fifth, no, I'm taking Jameson Williams. Let me just clarify that. Okay. 
Our next question comes to us from Cody Barnes, who asks, if the best available options at 17 are McDuffie, Alave, and Penning, who would you take, and who do you think the Chargers would really take? Also not saying I like Penning, simply just saying that he's higher in mock drafts and such. Uh, yeah, don't even worry about it. If you don't like Penning, that's totally fine. Uh, if you do, that's also totally fine. I'm kind of in the middle. I think he could be a good pro. just don't want to find out. Um, but we might have to find out anyway. So the three options here are McDuffie, Olave, and Penning. So who would I take first off? So I've kind of sort of shown my hand a bit there, right? I would pass on Olave in this particular scenario because I feel like I've done enough homework where Khalil Shakir, Calvin Austin, Jalen Tolbert, Bo Melton, you know, whatever route you want to go in the third or even fourth round, I think you can find guys who can replicate him just enough. Even statistically, right? It kind of feels like Moneyball, right? Maybe I can't get Chris Olave, who you think is the perceived better player. And I think he is, and maybe he is, maybe he will be. But if I can get, you know, if, if Chris Olave is the 21st statistically best player, if I can trade back and get also get, you know, Khalil Shakir, or if I can just not trade at all, but I can still get Khalil Shakir better, who's five spots ahead of Chris Olave on our composite rankings, I'd rather do that. Right. So to me, I'd rather wait. There are guys later on, you know, Tolbert, Mechie, Shakir, Austin, you know, some other guys that I can find later on who can, we can moneyball our way to a better team, I guess. Not that that always works, but you know. Okay, so Olave is the one I would wait on most. Not because I like Penning more than Olave, but I feel like I can get my starting tackle of the future, or excuse me, my starting receiver, wide receiver three, that is, later. And it might not even be that pressing of a need. But to me, as the way things currently are, right tackle is kind of a freaking huge need right now. So you know, I don't think Matt Filer is moving, and I think we'll talk about that either later or maybe I'll make it in a different video. I don't think Matt Filer is moving. So Penning is kind of the priority here whether i like him more or not i don't i think in terms of grades it would be mcduffie olave penning for me but in terms of preference it would be olave last no offense to him just they need to they need a right tackle um then penning the mcduffie so mcduffie is my personal favorite here we're gonna have a video at some point we tried to do it before the draft we're gonna probably after the draft from kyle who does a couple breakdowns for us where he talks about and i think you've seen this too how much of a liability Chris Harris Jr. was. Like, we don't talk about how bad he was enough uh, when we're talking about draft replacements. And I think it's possibly because we think that, you know, Samuel Jr. will play the slot, Davis plays out wide or something. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But I'd love to add someone like McDuffie, who is an absolute monster against the run. Like, this is the guy that you want on your team to help stop the run. Not that's the only thing that he does, but if you kick him inside a slot corner, I think there's not going to be anybody better you can find in this draft who can play slot, who can be that dynamic against the run. Like he is so much fun to watch in space, on shallow crossers, chasing down the backside of plays off the edge. This guy can do it all. And McDuffie has a first round grade for me. He's my corner three because of Andrew Booth's you know injury odd situation. He would have been fourth. But, you know, McDuffie would be my personal preference here um, because I'm kind of sick of watching Hunter Renfro motion across the line of scrimmage and then beat Chris Harris Jr. to a spot because Chris Harris Jr. is too slow. <laughs> I know he's not on the team, but I want someone who can defend that, right? And someone who's fast, who can help the run defense. 
right? McDuffie is, is a good slot corner, sure. Projected slot corner, maybe outside. But I think we're not talking about how good he is against the run, how valuable that would be for the Chargers. So McDuffie would be my first choice. Then Penning, then Olave. Um, even though my grades for those guys are stacked differently. Who do I think the Chargers would really take? The betting favorite is Penning. But I, I'm, I've sort of moved off of the idea that they actually would. But there are a lot of reasons that they would. <laughs> and we'll talk about him later at the very end of the mailbag. Um, to me, I think the most... Who would they take? It's a good question because different ways I could answer this. And I think the big monkey wrench, like the betting favorite is Penning. I'll say that. But the monkey wrench in this is their perceived interest in Olave, which, like, you know, Jordan Schultz reported, like, hey, they like Olave. No doubt. Everybody likes Olave and Christian Watson. That's not a surprise. Um, but the monkey wrench was Daniel Jeremiah going and talking about the Chargers and what they need to do in the draft with Bucky Brooks. And he says, you know, there's a lot of things that we could do here, but I'm going corner. And I think they're, they're going to go corner to complete their overhaul. We kind of think that their overhaul completion is going to be on the defensive line where it's like, okay, we got Sebastian Joseph Day, we got Austin Johnson, we got Khalil Mack, let's add Jordan Davis. That's the guy. That, that's They're going to complete their overhaul this year like they did with the line last year with their first-round pick. It's possible. But they also did a kind of a secondary overhaul, a bit, not as much. But, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. is kind of part of this overhaul. J.C. Jackson, clearly part of their overhaul. They could go with Trent McDuffie as part of their overhaul to complete that group. We assume it's interior defensive line, and it could be with Jordan Davis, but it could also be corner. Now you have Michael Davis maybe on his way out next year. Staley has his guys, right? J.C. Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Derwin James, Trent McDuffie. He's got his guys, his secondary that he wants to move forward without Michael Davis, that sort of thing. So I think it could be Trent McDuffie if he's there. He's going early. in the If you do the consensus mocks, McDuffie's going early. So I think it's very possible that he's not even there. Um, Andrew Booth seems to be falling down boards because of his injury concerns, you know, the knee issues, the tendonitis, the core muscle surgery, that sort of thing. So he's moving down a bit. and Maybe it is Andrew Booth for the Chargers. Um, but all three guys are definitely in play. It's a very tough question. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. All right, the next question. Any takeaways from Telesco's presser, or was it all smoked screens? Um, I'm going to say the only one that I thought was interesting from reading the comments about the presser was that he is basically said he's not going to trade up because they don't have that second round pick and because they he doesn't this is the interesting part he says i don't think i'll have to based on gilbert manzano's comment i don't know what the exact quote was but gilbert manzano basically said on his tweet about the presser that's that telesco said that he doesn't think he's going to have to trade up that's the most intriguing thing to me like him not trading up makes a lot of sense but the idea that he doesn't have to trade up, if you're trying to weed, you know, sift through the comments, there is he expects one of the players that they like to fall to them at 17. Now, is that because they're wide receiver no matter what? Is it because they like six receiver or six players at all different positions and they're cool with whatever and they're going best player available? Is it because you know it's a player that is projected to go 30th that they know is going to be there at 17. So they're going to take them. I don't know. That's the most interesting one to me. So it could be a total surprise come Thursday. 
Uh, from David Thompson, besides the draft itself, what fan experience in Vegas are you looking forward to participating in? Arjun and Steven, I want to run a 40-yard dash. Uh, I'm going to get like a six-second 40-yard dash, but my goal is to try to beat you guys. So if we can run a 40, I want to try that. I will not have the shoes for it or the gear. I will be in like a Chargers jacket and jeans. Um, so not exactly the fastest 40 ever, but I want to race uh, Arjun, who's apparently an excellent quarterback, and then Steven, who has no knees. So that's my that's the experience that I want to go for. Best sleepers that would fit the Chargers. Uh, Steven just got to Jaquari Roberson yesterday or the day before. And while he has, I think, a fifth round pick from him and from me. No, I think it's a fourth round grade from him and from me. Uh, I think he's a guy that you could get fifth, sixth round. He's on the consensus boards. Like, if we're just looking at where he ranks in the consensus boards. He's really low. Let me see if I can pull it up. He is not a receiver that's highly regarded on big boards. With that said, you know, sometimes you just don't get to players. So maybe he's only on 10% of the boards. And so he's not actually, you know, he's not really ranked you know, as often as some others. So let me pull this up for you guys. So currently, so again, mock draft database compiles all the big boards. Ignore all the ads. I apologize. Um, oh, look, Chris Olave is projected to go to the Chargers now. Great. So Jaquari Roberson is a guy that is ranked 273rd. <laughs> I actually think he went up. I think he might've actually gone up. Wow, he has a peak of 104. Someone likes him as the top 105 player, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, so Jaquari Roberson is a guy I think the Chargers could go for as a sleeper. He's a player that I think is much better with, in his route running than someone like Jalen Guyton and on film and statistically has better hands. So you lose some speed there, but the, the exact same height, Guyton, Roberson at the exact same height. I think that's a player that is a sleeper for them. I think offensive tackle to consider. I've sort of already talked about these guys and we've talked about them quite a bit. I wouldn't roll out Spencer Burford from UTSA. Burford is, I believe, 10th on um, Brandon Thorne's offensive tackle rankings. Now, he's he's potentially going to be an interior offensive lineman. He's 6'4", so, you know, kind of depends on your flavor. His arm length, I think, is there. I don't think he's has, like, short arms by any means. But he's a guy that's compared a lot to Max Mitchell when you listen to Duke Manyweather or Brandon Thorne or and Brandon Thorne talk about him. So Burford is 10th on Brendan Thord's board, and I believe Brendan Hymas last year was 9th. So if we're talking potential tackle to guard converts, or you know, hey, just as a backup tackle or kind of a swing lineman, if you will, I think Spencer Burford is a guy that they, they should keep an eye on for sure because everyone's thinking Max Mitchell, Max Mitchell, Max Mitchell, but Spencer Burford has some good tape himself and I think is a very comparable player in my opinion. And they actually do talk about Mitchell and Burford very similarly, kind of the same issues. So Burford's one I would look at. Look at Vidarian Low obviously is one to look at. Um, the last one I'll talk about here is Thomas Booker from Stanford. He, oh, Yoma Uazarike seemed to have moved from two hundred. I don't know when we did the mocks yesterday. He was Uazarike was like two hundred something. But Thomas Booker at one fifty nine potential round four, round five sort of target. I think that's a sleeper pick for the Chargers. Because for one, they have the uh, connection because they've met with Thomas Booker and they were at the Shrine Bowl and they really liked him. So I think it was Brett Coleman 
when he, in his interview with Booker, I think he said that the Chargers hadn't met with him. I think it was a pretty significant meeting. Booker really showed out there. I think he's a guy that has a ton of power, a ton of speed in the get off. He's a guy who can pretty, you know, for a guy that's this far in the draft, there's a ton of upside here and he can really control the line of scrimmage. To me, it's all about coaching the next thing out of him. Can you coach him? So he can he can stack like crazy. For some reason, shedding is, is a difficulty. So is that technique? Is that just you need to coach him to do something differently? Maybe. But if you can get that out of him, there's a real legit rotational player in here. The Chargers have met with him, and that's a player that I'd really, really consider later on. All right, two more questions. This one comes from Nate Isley. Why is our organization so high on Jerry Tillery? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they're high on Jerry Tillery because he doesn't present himself like a human being that I just fall in love with his character and how engaging and interesting he is like a, you know, Brandon Fajoko, for example, right? We talked to him. Seems like a really engaging guy. That's a fan favorite. That's a guy that you want in your building. You know, I'm not saying Jared Taylor is a bad person, but it's like, is, is he really like, you know, is there something there? I, I haven't seen it. And I know people that do pressers, they're on the slide, not the biggest fan of him when he goes up, to there, up there to talk. Uh, statistically, can you find me a reason that he's, uh, you know, favored so much by the team? I don't think I can. Um, tape. How's the tape look? Uh, it sounds like they run right at him. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just that first round pick bias. But like Staley really likes him too. The coaches like him. And we've heard all the buzzwords about there being no accountability in the interior defensive line room, or I should just say on the defense in general. And Tillery just, you know, he's just going to keep playing those snaps. He's just going to keep playing those snaps and there's no accountability. To me, if like this is Staley's defense, if Staley wanted Jerry Tillery off the field as a rotational guy, I think it would happen. I don't think there's upstairs pressure to for that that is forcing Jerry Tillery onto the field. I think Brandon Staley legitimately wants him out there as one of his best options currently. But we will see what happens when the fifth year option comes around because I believe. Tillery is the only one that they haven't, well, so far, exercised a fifth-year option on. And that could change, obviously. I think the timeline usually looks like May or June for when they exercise those fifth-year options when I looked at it before. But, you know, DJ Fluker all the way to Durbin James, right? Those guys have all had their first uh, fifth-year options exercised. Jerry Tillery has not, again, so far. He has probably two months for that to get done. But they haven't exercised it yet. And it'll be very interesting to see if they make any moves to replace him during the draft, if they make any moves to replace him, you know, after this season. That's one to keep an eye on for sure. Okay. Last one here. It comes to us from Riley Williams, one of my favorite Chargers followers on Twitter for sure, because he's just very nice, very knowledgeable, very good guy. <laughs> the question is talk yourself into a prospect that you hate. Um, well, I'll start with this. I don't hate any prospect, but I think, you know, again, I don't hate any prospect, but I think I want to take this a different direction and talk about why Trevor Penning, like I want to talk myself into Trevor Penning to me, like I talk about myself. So I 
not as much anymore because now I'm, I'm going to school at UCI, but I was a coach for 10 years coaching gymnastics and, and dance, acro and whatnot. And I had so many people go to me, so many students come to me and just to figure out their aerials, right? Aerial is a cartwheel with no hands for those who don't know. And they've been working on it for, for months, maybe for years, they couldn't get it. And then they'd spend 30 minutes with me and they'd have their aerial and they go, what, what, <laughs> what happened? It's just the way you teach a certain thing can change things as instantly as overnight or in 30 minutes. Now I was never training somebody to block miles Garrett. I was training them to do an aerial and they're 10 years old. <laughs> so it's very different things, but you know, one of the pet peeves I have had as a coach teaching dance acro which if you're a parent who has a child in dance, please be aware of this. There are very bad dance acro coaches out there because they don't know how to approach an aerial a certain way. They have a dance background, which is fine, but they don't have a background in spotting, in you know the dynamics of the move, what it takes to get the skill, the drills you need to do to get the skill. They were taught growing up how to do one thing a certain way. And, you know, they just don't know how to coach it very well. So kids will come to me and I'll get the aerial in 30 minutes because I was a gymnast and things are taught differently and I spot like crazy. So if you see your daughter or son doing an aerial and their coach is telling them to practice their aerial by doing a jump cartwheel, a dive cartwheel, which is where you jump, do a cartwheel, put your hands on the ground and then take them off. Right? If you're watching them do that, it's wrong. Why would you teach your kid to put their hands down to pick them up to learn an aerial, which is a cartwheel with no hands? I'm not going to teach you how to drive with your opposite foot and then switch your foot last minute, you know, when you do the driving test. Not the same thing, but you get the idea. Why would I teach you something that's not related really to your actual skill? Point being, long story of saying, that no offense to Northern Iowa coaches, but they are not where Duke Manyweather is. Frankly, it seems like nobody is where Duke Manyweather is as a coach, as an offensive line coach, and what he looks for. He just sees things and knows what to do in a way that a lot of guys just don't have. He has a system down, like I had a system down. I knew how to get an aerial, wouldn't take very long. Obviously, depends on progress. Trevor Penning is a work in progress, but he went to Northern Iowa, an FCS school, and like a dance acro coach telling their students to put their hands down in their aerial to practice aerials, I think somebody taught Trevor Penning and told him that it, like he should and he must you know, grab the outside of the shoulder pads and throw guys to the ground because that's winning. That's tough football. you know. That's going to get you noticed by the NFL, and maybe that's part of it. But Duke Manyweather is not going to work with it like that. No, that's that is not what he wants to do. And if you listen to his podcast or Brandon Thord's podcast, where Duke Manyweather was a guest, he seemed to suggest that Trevor Penning's issues with leverage, like you saw at the Senior Bowl, and you've seen in our on our channel with the Senior Bowl clips, just get your hands inside. Now it's more than that. There's you know firing out of a stance a certain way. There's coming up out of a stance a certain way. But hands inside is such a correctable fix. Again, like the aerial comes down to the hands. Where you put your hands, what you do with your hands makes a huge difference. And so my, my long-winded way of saying there are things that Trevor Penning was taught that are, I think, incorrect. Duke Manyweather may be able to take those things 
and fix them or work with his strengths, which is what Duke also said, to work with his strengths to help kind of fix his weaknesses. So whatever that is, I don't know. Maybe he knows that Duke, that that Trevor is a strong as hell, you know, grip strength, freak of nature. And so he's going to work on him with his hands to correct the leverage mistakes when he loses in leverage. Basically, what I'm trying to say is Duke Manyweather, how's Trevor Penning? If you watched the, the, I think it was Fox Sports 1 45-minute video on Duke Manyweather and Trevor Penning and Evan Neal and all those guys, like there's so much that goes into that program that Trevor Penning, between the time he left college and the time he's going to step onto the field for the Chargers, there's going to be a jump. Now, there's also a jump in competition, but there's going to be a jump in his technique. And the things that Rashawn Slater, his flaws in college, now granted, it's Rashawn Slater, who I had much higher as a prospect than Trevor Penning, but a lot of those flaws were corrected by the time Slater got to the NFL. You could even argue that there were some technical technical, you know, footwork things that were fixed with Justin Herbert by the time he got to the NFL. I forget, um, not Tom Arth, what's his name? Point is, you know, Herbert had help from somebody who knew what they were doing once he left Oregon to transition to the NFL. And I think Penning will have the same thing. So that's my two cents on that. All right. That is the end of the mailbag. That took a little bit longer than I would have guessed, but whatever. Thank you so much for sending in your questions, guys. I enjoyed them for sure. I will try to do this again in two weeks just to see if we can get some different questions. We'll know who the charges have picked in two weeks, maybe one week. So, uh, We'll see. Best of luck, guys. All right. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. If you're going to Vegas, hit Steven, Arjun, and I up. We'll be there. Don't buy us beer because I'm allergic. Arjun's 20 and Steven doesn't drink. So you can buy us water. Uh, all right, guys. Take care. And as always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.